Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. Today, after a one-week hiatus from Mother's Day, we're going to continue with our series, The Promise. And I'll be honest with you, I tried to end this the week before Mother's Day. I, I had uh, all my notes and, and all my pre-planning, I had, I had pretty much said, I, I'm going to be done with it. Mother's Day, I'll preach a Mother's Day sermon and, and we'll move on. But I just felt like God was not done. And so, to the best of my knowledge, we've got two sermons left. One today and then, and then one more two weeks from now for this series. Because next Sunday they won't let me preach. Because it's that uncomfortable day for a pastor. Or at least for this pastor, for pastor appreciation. And uh, if, if, um, if, if you want to brave the storm, show up next Sunday. If not, I get it. I understand. But um, today we're going to continue with this series. The first week of the series, we looked at who the Holy Spirit is. Defined by his role, he is God the Holy Spirit. We looked at the scriptural support that week, that salvation and the baptism of the Holy Spirit in a believer's life are two different experiences. And, and let me say this really quick, because there's a million and one different theologies on the Holy Spirit. I'm only teaching you from my personal experience and from what I believe he has led me to in Scripture. You know, one of the, the fruits of the Holy Spirit is peace. And so um, if, if anyone ever wants to argue with you about this, chances are that they're, they don't have the, the gift or the, the fruit of the Spirit operating in their life. And I told you, that is a good way to determine who has the, op the operation of the Holy Spirit working in them is by the fruit, man. If you, if you can't... If you can't be nice, you may need to seek the Holy Spirit because he makes us nice. He does. He does. The, the, the fruit of the Spirit leads us to, to bless others and not to, to operate in strife. And so if, if you differ with me this morning, that's, that's okay. I can assure you this, God's grace is bigger than a theology mistake. And just because you're wrong, it's okay. It's okay. Jesus made a promise to his disciples. We read these verses every week of the series, John 14, verses 16 and 17, where Jesus says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, Jesus said, you know him, and here, here's what he says, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So he's with you and will dwell in you. That's future tense. He's with you and will be in you. The second week of the series, I pointed out to you that Jesus made it plain to his disciples that the Holy Spirit inside of you is more advantageous than Jesus beside you. The infilling power of the Holy Spirit, it made intimidated cowards stand up and spread the good news of Jesus Christ. These men became brave the third week, we looked at the purpose of the Holy Spirit. And I told you that the why is always more important than the how. The why is the purpose. The how is the power. And the why of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is that we need to tell people about Jesus with our witness and with our lifestyle. We are his witnesses in what we say and what we do, how we conduct ourselves. We are witnesses. The how of the baptism 
of the Holy Spirit are the supernatural giftings and the fruit of the Spirit that give us power for living. The gifts of the Spirit. This is important right here in case, in, in case you missed this uh, two weeks ago. The gifts of the Spirit are necessary for bringing heaven to earth. We get to see the supernatural power of heaven move in our lives through the gifts of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit, that's how we act. The fruit of the Spirit are necessary for taking earth to heaven. If we want to take others with us, listen, my passport is punched, okay? My ticket is good to go. I want to take some other people with me. And the fruit of the Spirit allows me to take earth to heaven. In the final two teachings of this series, I want to get into the very practical yet supernatural side of the Holy Spirit. Again, he reserves the right to change this, but that is my plan and what I believe he's laid on my heart is that these last two weeks, I want to give you a very practical side of what the Holy Spirit does for you. In the spring of 2008, we planned a church canoe trip down the Santa Fe River. Our church was young at the time, only a, a less than two years old, and, and there were only a handful of people that signed up to go canoeing that day. My own wife and daughter didn't even sign up to go. For some reason, I, I remember that Lacey Langford, she was not Langford at the time, but, but Lacey w was there, I believe, with your mom and your brother. I believe they were there with you, and, and Patrick was there, but you guys were not even dating yet. Pastor Andrew was there, and and then there was me and, and my son, Caleb. Caleb was only about 10 and a half years old. And on this particular day, I remember the wind was fierce. I will never forget this day. When I say the wind was fierce, I have never, ever been on the river and, and the wind be this bad. It was horrific. It was so bad that Pastor Andrew and Patrick, they pretty much got in their canoe and they just determined that they were going to paddle downstream as hard as they could to our destination and just get it over with. It was bad. Unfortunately, that was not the case for me and my 10-year-old son. Now, I know enough about canoeing that I know that the, the heavier and the more experienced person, which I was both of those people, should sit in the back because you steer from the back of the canoe. And so I got in the back of the canoe. Caleb got in the front of the canoe. And, and although the more heavier and more experienced person should sit in the back, there's one caveat to this that they, they failed to tell you. When there are strong headwinds of 25 to 30 miles per hour, and if I'm exaggerating, if, if anything, I'm underestimating at least 25 to 30 miles per hour winds coming straight down the river right into our faces. If that is the case, you listen close to your old pastor, okay? If that is the case, do not put the heaviest person, I don't care how much experience they have, in the back of the canoe. Because what happens is it creates this effect where the front of the canoe comes up out of the water. <laughs> thus creating something for the wind to catch and just push and maneuver however it chooses. It was so bad that my son, 
could not even get his paddle, his oar. He couldn't even get it down into the water because he was so far out of the water. You're laughing and you're hurting my feelings right now, okay? We catwalked down the whole river. <laughs> I yelled at that boy. It's, it's a miracle that we still have a relationship after that day. I've never wanted to hit a kid with a paddle so hard in my life. I'm staring at the back of his red head, and, and he, he, the, the paddle is not even in the water, and I'm like, son, just put the paddle in the water. I can't reach it. And I'm like, I don't care. You hang over this. I need your help. How are we ever going to get down this river if you are not help? I'm doing all the work for both of us. Caleb, get your paddle in the water. I was losing my mind. They could hear me yelling at this kid. And it wasn't his fault at all. And the wind catching the front of that canoe sticking up out of the water, here's what it made us do. We just did zigzags back and forth across the river. And when we would gain about five feet down the river, the wind would blow harder and it would push us 30 feet back. It was so frustrating. It, I, I did not know wind could be that strong. I've never been canoeing since. <laughs> Scarred me for life. Wind is a powerful force. It can cause serious damage to homes and buildings and structures. It can be so devastating that insurance companies will offer additional wind coverage in various forms, windstorm, wind and hail, named stormed, and even hurricane coverage. Wind is so powerful and, and damaging that there are 19 different states that offer wind insurance as a separate policy for homeowners. Wind, when used to your advantage, can also be powerful. I mean, you try flying a kite without wind, it's nearly impossible. Because of wind, we can sail a boat. I won't because I didn't like the canoe. But you can sail a boat if you have wind. You, you can even generate electricity using wind. And throughout the scriptures, church, wind is used as a metaphor for the Holy Spirit. Time and time again, we find the Bible speaking to us about the Holy Spirit and relating the Holy Spirit to wind, sometimes even breath. Like wind, you can't see the Spirit of God, but you can certainly feel it, and, and, and you can see the effects of the Holy Spirit. When applied properly, the Holy Spirit of God can be a powerful force in one's life. Spirit life, Spirit-filled life, is led by the Spirit of God. And like wind in our sails, he takes us and he leads us to wherever the will of God is for our lives. We as Christians, we, we want to follow God. We, we want to obey God. We want to hear his voice and do what he says but yet we're left with so many questions. Should I take this job? Should I quit that job? 
Should I date this person? Should I marry that person? Should I leave this person? We have questions about should we buy that house? Should we buy that car? We're left with so many questions, and, and, and the, the heart's cry of a believer, a follower of Christ, is if God, if you would just tell me what to do. Have you ever been there? God, if you'll just tell me what to do, if you'll just speak to me, tell me what to do and how to do it, I would certainly follow, but just tell me what to do, Lord, and I'll do it. But the truth is, God telling you what to do doesn't work either. Because he's been telling people what to do since the beginning of humanity. And it hasn't worked. And and there's not a better place to see this played out in the scripture than in the lives of the Hebrews as God was leading them out of slavery to a land that he promised them. Just like our salvation, and this is important, I hope that you, 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 you grasp this this morning, but just like our salvation from sin, the Israelites had been freed from bondage. And then they go out into the wilderness, and the next thing that they do is they consecrate themselves. There's so much Egypt in them, the customs, the ways of Egypt inside of them, that God knew that it was time for them to consecrate themselves. They needed to make some space in their life for the things of God. And so the first thing that they do after they leave captivity is they consecrate themselves and they worship the true and the living God. And it's then that they are ready to be led by God. You see, it's only then When you open up your life and you discard of some of the things that are taking up space, they've taken up root in your life. And it's only then that that once you discard of those things, are you truly ready to be led by the Spirit of God? And so to guide them, the Lord went before them as a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And God leads them to the Red Sea. And it's standing there at the Red Sea that the Egyptians, Pharaoh changed his mind and the Egyptians are closing in on them. They are coming to, to capture them and take them back to captivity. It, 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 the, very, the, the very worst part of this is that if they're not going as, as, as servants, then he's just going to kill them. And, and the cloud that was in front of them, the Bible says that the cloud moved to behind them and was between the Israelites and the Egyptians as, as, as uh, some form of protection from Pharaoh's army. And it was at this moment that God gives Moses some very specific instructions on what to do next. It seemed hopeless. They are pinned in, and it seems hopeless. And the only way is to get through that sea. And in Exodus chapter 14 and verse 21... Moses obeys God, and here's here's what he he does. It says, Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind. Somebody say wind. He drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. The Hebrew word that is used for the word wind there is a Hebrew word, ruach. Ruach. Ruach, it's the same Hebrew word that is used time and time again throughout the Old Testament for spirit. 
It's interchangeable. As a matter of fact, the Hebrew word ruach in the Old Testament and the Greek word pneuma in the New Testament, they are both interchangeable for wind and spirit. Time and time again, you will see those words uh, used for wind and spirit. In Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2, the spirit, ruach, hovered over the face of the waters. In Judges chapters 13 through 16, when the Ruach spirit, when the spirit came upon Samson, he was supernaturally strengthened. In 2 Kings chapter 2 and verse 9, Elisha asked Elijah for a double portion of Ruach spirit. He said, I want a double portion of that spirit. The, the Spirit of God, it blows like the wind in our lives, empowering God's people, but we've got to open up our lives for the wind of God to blow. Much like they did on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, when the sound of a mighty rushing wind invaded that space, that upper room, and God filled them with the Holy Spirit. The Israelites continued to follow the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. And God leads them to the promised land. This is still early on in the journey. And he leads them to the promised land. And we are introduced at this moment to the ongoing problem between God and humanity. God speaks and we don't always listen. It is an ongoing problem. We want to do what he says but we have a problem within our own ability and our own will to do what he says. And it's standing there looking at the promised land. And, and, and God even gave them this great sales pitch about it. He said, it's a land that is flowing with milk and honey. He said, I'm going before you. I'm going to drive out the inhabitants. I'm going to be there to fight with you and fight for you with this. This is your land. I've given you this land. But it wasn't enough. God's words to them simply were not enough because they, they, their desire always beat out his command. And that's the, the story of humanity on our own ability and our own power. Our desires will always beat out the command of God. What you want to do wins out over what God wants you to do. Think about it. Don't eat from that tree. But Adam and Eve ate anyway. Jonah, go to Nineveh and preach against their wickedness. What does Jonah do? He gets in a boat. He goes directly in the opposite direction as far as he could possibly go in the known world. Inhabit the land that I am giving you. And their minds start racing. It's, it's, it's amazing what the enemy can tempt us with. For them, they started thinking about big pots of meat. When we were in Egypt, we used to eat big pots of meat. And, and that's all they can think about because it looks impossible. Although God had said, I'm going with you. I'm going to fight this thing for you. It was not enough. Left to our own desires, we will disobey the will of God. We may get it right every once in a while, but left to our own desires, we will eventually disobey the will of God. And God understands that simply telling us what to do doesn't work. And he's got a lot of experience with that. 
He's got a lot of experience with humanity. He's got all the experience with humanity because he created us. And I think that all of us in this room, all of us, even the unbeliever that may be in this room, we all agree that what God wants for our lives is better than what we want for our lives. We know that. We know that what God wants, his plan, his direction, we know that his desires for us are so much greater than what our desires are. And we need his desire to be in us. Wouldn't that be great if what God wants for us was just in us and it's what we wanted? We, want, we need his desire to be in us. We need his desires to be our desires. And, and I've preached this for many years, uh, th- this verse that says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. I truly believe this, that when we delight ourselves in the Lord, that he actually puts the desires that he wants us to have in our hearts. And therefore, we quit fighting against his will. We quit fighting against his direction. And we need to get to that place to where we will delight ourselves in the Lord once again. And we will open up our hearts and our lives and we'll consecrate. We'll make some space. We'll make some room for God so that he can put his will inside of us that's what we need if we could just get his will in us if there was only a way to get his desire inside of us and in Ezekiel chapter 36 God said problem solved problem solved I can fix this for you humanity you are struggling trying to get this thing right I can fix this for you Ezekiel chapter 36, I want to read verses 25 through 27, and there's this amazing, amazing, 600 years before Christ, 600 plus years before the day of Pentecost, there's this amazing resemblance to that day. Listen to what, what the, the God was speaking to this prophet. He was, he was foretelling. He was telling what was going to happen eventually. Ezekiel 36 and verse 25. He said, I will sprinkle clean water on you. And you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses. That's plural. That means you're really dirty. And from all your idols, I will cleanse you. See, God was telling the prophet about salvation through his son and how our sins would eventually be forgiven. 600 years before Christ, he was was spelling this out for us. But listen to verse 26. And I will give you a new heart. And a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit, Ruach, I will put my spirit, I will put my wind within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. God said, I've got the answer for this. You cannot live a holy life. You might get it right sometimes, but the majority of the time, you're going to give in to your desires, your temptations. You're going to give in to what you want for your life, and you will not follow God's plan for your life. And he said, I've got the fix for this. I am going to put Ruach, my wind, my spirit. I'm going to put my spirit in you, and when I put my spirit in you, it will cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will be careful to obey my rules. God understood that we cannot accomplish this. And this is a new concept that that was being prophesied. 
God's people did not yet have the Spirit of God within them. Earlier in this series, I told you, there were moments when the Spirit of God would, be, would, become, uh, would, would come upon a person, and, and, and as the Spirit of God would descend upon someone, it would empower them for the battle or for the task that was at hand, but it would not remain with them. It would not stay with them. This is different. God said, I'm going to give you strength for daily living. You, I, I'm going to give you strength so you can get some things right so that you will have my heart within you. And, and it wasn't possible to walk completely in God's statutes and obey his rules. It, it was nearly impossible because they were an unclean people. Understand that at the moment of this prophecy, they had not yet been saved from their sins. They are still trying to sacrifice animals and, and let that blood be the atonement for their sins. They have not been saved, completely saved from their sins. And the Spirit of God cannot dwell in an unclean vessel. I think it's important for someone to understand right now. The Spirit of God cannot dwell in an unclean vessel. And so since we are incapable of living a clean life, he sent his son to cleanse us. We all agree on that. He sent his son to cleanse us. And we tried. Man, we did. 613 Mosaic laws proved to be too much for us. We just couldn't get it right. It became more about rule following. Make sure you dot the I, you cross the T. And the teachers of the law said there's 613 rules that you've got to abide by. And when you don't get it right, you're in sin. But the Holy Spirit in us, that Ezekiel prophesied about 600 years in advance, the Holy Spirit had the potential to change everything. The Spirit of God, it is God's intentions. It is his will. It is his desire. When the Spirit of God is within you, you live out his intentions, his will, and his desire. This, my friends, is power for living. The problem was now solved. God telling us what to do consistently failed. His spirit in us would produce his desire in us, and suddenly we would want what God wanted. That sounds amazing. Because I promise you what God wants for your life is so much better than what you want for your life. We just don't get it. We don't see it. It's, it's almost like we don't, we, we don't know how to decipher this thing. But the Holy Spirit within us lets us see through a completely different lens because the Holy Spirit within us, it creates power in our life for living, but it also creates a heart for others like never before. We no longer would think in the flesh, but we would process in the Spirit. The Apostle Paul explained to the church in Rome, he said that there's this battle between living in the flesh and living in the Spirit. All those years later, it's still a problem. We're in the New Testament now, and it's still a problem. It's after the day of Pentecost, and it's still a problem. Believers are having a hard time. Sometimes we live in the flesh. Sometimes we're in the spirit. And Paul said, these are at constant battle with one another. And Paul tells these believers in Rome, in Romans 8 and 9, he says, you, however are not in the flesh, 
but in the Spirit. And I love that he includes this, if. You see, that's the key. He said, you're not in the flesh. No, you're not living life like that. You don't have to live life defeated. You can live life in the Spirit if, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. If, in fact, you have made room in your life for the Holy Spirit to invade so that the heart of God can be within you, he said, then, then you will not struggle with the flesh for the Spirit of God is working for you. Now, as parents, we raise our children to make good choices, hoping that one day that they will bless society and live as responsible adults. And some of you are sending up some heavy prayers for your children right now because I've seen your kids. Keep praying, parents. Keep praying. There's hope. As, as believers, as Christian parents, we should raise our children to live godly lives following the leading and the direction of the Holy Spirit of God. But, but that's, that's just part of the Godhead Trinity that we just don't like to talk about. Or if we do, we don't really talk about his role. We just like to mention the Spirit as we pray every once in a while. But the Holy Spirit is a person in the Godhead Trinity. We need relationship with him. It's not something we should run from, shy away from. It's not anything to be scared about. It's our power for living. And as parents... We understand that we're trying our best to raise kids that are responsible. We want to have some children that one day will make us proud. And we keep telling them, clean your room. Every Monday, I want you to clean your room. And they don't do it. We tell them we want you to watch your mouth. Don't use that kind of language, okay? Don't use that kind of language. If you, if you use that kind of language again, I'm going to put you on restriction. That's not the way we did it around my house, but I'm not here to tell you how to parent. Spare the rod, spoil the child. So I'm just telling you, my kids knew that a spanking was coming, but that's, that's between you and God. We preach and preach and preach to our children it's like handing them 613 Mosaic laws. And we're just hoping that they get it right. Just, just please, please, just don't, don't make me ashamed to be your father or your mother. You know, I, I want you to be a productive member of society. Please, just, just at least fake it. When we're in front of family and friends, just fake it, Okay. And they just keep getting it wrong. I mean, through, through toddlers, adolescents, the teen years. Oh, the teen years. Sometimes even as young adults. You're just like, where's your brain? Did, did you check it at the door? What, what's going on? I told you how to live life and how to be successful. And, and I've, I've laid it all out. Why can't you get this? Why can't you understand this? And then all of a sudden, one day, you're not exactly sure when it happened, but you look over at your child, who is now grown, 
and they're acting like you. And it's like they got it. When, when, did, when did you become responsible? When, when did you become helpful? When did you become appreciative? And it's like everything that you preach to them, finally, finally, you see the fruit of it in their lives. What happened? It got inside of them. It finally took root. And now you're seeing the harvest of that. My friends, that is why God gave us the Holy Spirit. Because he knew just preaching and preaching and preaching, we, it, it, it had to be more than that. He, he had to do more than just tell us. He had to get it inside of us. And once the Holy Spirit is inside of you, you start making godly decisions. You start listening to the Spirit of God. Once the Holy Spirit is inside of you, you start seeing things differently through a different light, through a different filter of life. You begin to see the things that breaks the heart of God. You see things that break the heart of God in your own life, and you see things that breaks the heart of God in other people's lives. And it doesn't make you angry. It makes you want to draw closer to the Holy Spirit of God so that the gifts and the fruit are evident in your life. Because if this is what Jesus promised us, then I want it for me. I want it for my life. But this only happens if you're willing to make the room, make the space, and you say, God, once again, breathe, Ruach. Let your wind, let your spirit invade my life. Just as the Israelites found salvation from, from slavery, from bondage, the next step before they could be led by the fire and led by the cloud, the next step was consecration. Make space, make room. And for some of you, you're going to have to lay down for a moment. You're going to have to lay down under your own ability and your own power some of those sins that you just can't seem to shake, that keep rising up and haunting you, you've got to be willing to lay those down, make some space, make some room, and as soon as you lay those things down, then you've got to say, Lord, I've created space. Holy Spirit, fill me. Let your wind blow in me, Lord, fill me. And, and, and I've preached it like this for so many years. You don't have to beg God for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to beg God to be filled with his Spirit. You received Christ and your salvation by faith. Make room, make space, and receive the Holy Spirit by faith in your life. Jesus said, I'm sending you another helper. I'm sending you the helper. How many of you would agree with me? We need help. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.